The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. I've only got one thing to say tonight. And stop the music here real quick. How about them Royals? They teed off on Chris Sale tonight. Five runs in five innings. Are you kidding me? On nine hits for the boys in blue. Two walks and two home runs. As KC gives Chris Sale the worst outing of the season. And how about this? Lorenzo Kane becomes the first player in Sale's career to take him deep on account of 0-2 and that three-run shot that was huge in this ballgame. So what does it all mean? It means with the help of Yordano Ventura, a very impressive 6-2 Royals victory and a very happy Devo on your dish clubhouse conversation. And uh, how low were we last night? How low were we? Think back to Sunday and how low we were. I mean, and you're so high tonight. This season is just completely bipolar. <laughs> I mean, seriously. KC finds himself just a game back of Detroit. Once again, the rest of this dish, you'll hear me talking as them, you know, as a game back. Technically, it's a half game, but we're expecting to lose that game in Cleveland on the tenth. If we somehow win it, well, everything changes. But we're gonna just assume worst case scenario. That way, we assume we have to do the maximum to win the division or get in the playoffs. So we're gonna assume worst case. So KC is a game back of Detroit. With the biggest series at home, it has to be since the 85 World Series, doesn't it? I mean, you could go back to 1989 when the Royals were competing with the Oakland A's. There was no wild card, unfortunately, that season. Outside of that, I mean, yeah, during 94 season, they had the 14 wins in a row. They were closing in on first place there and the wild card and all that good stuff. But this late in the season, head-to-head, the team, a half game or a game, however you want to look at it, right in front of you at home, with, what, 10 games to go? It does not come any bigger than this. The biggest series at, at the K, for sure, since 1985 against the Cardinals. So we have got to credit the Royals' offense tonight, but I also want to credit at, let's see, at C-A-N-G-L-E-M, at Can Glem on Twitter. I asked earlier and threw this out there, our daily Royals question, at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter, and I said, how many runs would the Royals score off of Chris Sale tonight? At Can Glim on Twitter responded to me. I had over 20 responses on there. A few said six runs. One said seven runs. The majority said two or less. There were some negative twos, which I got to kick out of negative threes. But, you know, Can Glim said, quote, the way this team works, they always struggle against bad pitchers and hit Cy Young caliber pitchers well. I say five runs. Nailed it. Nice job. Exactly five runs in five innings for the Royals off of Chris Sale. And like we said, Lorenzo Cain had the biggest hit of the game. The Royals were down one nothing, Hits the three-run jack right away. Puts them up 3-1. And that's how the Royals were playing in August when things were good. They would get a deficit. They'd come right back, you know, right back and have a big inning. A crooked number. they get a big hit. And then they would cruise. And that's what they did tonight. Three hits total for Lorenzo Cain on this one. Drove in three runs. How about Alcides Escobar going yard off of Sale? You know things are going good when that happens. When that happened, I knew the game was over. Sal Perez collected two hits. Obviously, immensely nice to see that with his very well-publicized poor plate discipline, especially in the second half and hitting around 220 since the All-Star break. So good to see Sal get two hits. And and how about Nori? A Royals record for total hits in a three-game series. 11 for 13. How do you even do that? 
And you go through it, game one of the series, the big slicing double that was ultimately the winning run in game one of the ninth inning and, and tonight and even last night, some big hits. I mean, the whole series was big hits. Drew Walk got hit by a pitch, stole a base. 11 for 13, though, if you count official at-bats in these three games. And Nori is... Also, by the way, we've got to give him credit for his defense tonight. So a couple of very nice plays out there defensively. And give a huge act, I mean, a huge ovation, a huge tip of the cap to Nori Aoki. I mean, a guy that was not good in the first half of the season, a guy that we criticized here on Clubhouse Conversation many times, and I know the Royals did behind closed doors as well for his defense, his lack of range out there and missing cutoff men. His arm didn't look good. I mean, I don't know if he was hurt earlier or if he was just that uncomfortable or what happened, but he looks a lot more natural in the field. Maybe it's just the fact that he's hitting. I mean, honestly, maybe that's what it is. He's so confident and having so much fun right now that it carries over to defense. I mean, they always say defense carries the off- to offense. Maybe it's vice versa happening. So, I mean, seriously, Nori has stepped up his game. Absolutely giant series out of Nori Aoki. Playing like Billy Butler did the majority of August, isn't he? When Butler got the offense started and kind of was the, the key cog in that huge August run, well, Nori kind of doing the same thing in September. The rest of the offense hasn't woken up until tonight, but hopefully that will you know continue. Like we talked about, three hits for Kane, two for Salvi. That's just as big to me tonight as Nori was. Because if the Royals can get Kane going again, and all signs point to him really starting to warm up over the last few games after having a good week or two of just bad at bats. Kane looks a lot better. His swing's a lot shorter. He's getting to the ball, keeping his hands inside, doing a nice job. And Salvi, you know, it's just one night, but two hits is, you know, and there were some bad pitches he swung at tonight, but. If he could get going with Kane, you've already got Nori hot. And you have to feel like Alex will have some big hits this weekend, don't you? I, I, I pick Alex Gordon as the guy to carry the Royals this weekend, the guy that will get hot, have a couple home runs. I, I just think a big weekend is ahead for Alex Gordon. Just a feeling I have. And if the Royals can get two or three guys going you know, besides him, like a Nori or a Salvi or a Kane or two of those guys with him, well, then they might be in pretty decent shape here against the Tigers. But before we talk about the Tigers, we also – can't forget about your Donovan Ventura tonight. It's easy to take him for granted. Normally, we only talk about the pitching here in defense and, and kind of just skim over the offense. Well, tonight we talked about the offense for so long. But give credit to, to your Donald tonight. And I'm sure you were like me and holding your breath there in the sixth inning when they came out to take a look at him. You're thinking, oh, no, this is not happening. Not Danny Duffy again. Not, not Ventura again, as he was removed earlier in the season, obviously. Was that back in June, I believe, or early July? So you got nervous, but Yordano stayed in the game. I, As I'm recording this here, the game's only been over for about 15 minutes, so I have not heard exactly what happened. I'm assuming he jammed his hand, is what I'm assuming, or a finger. But whatever it was, he came back out in the seventh. was maybe his most impressive inning of the night. He looked awesome in that seventh inning. Went seven total, one run on three hits. Striking out seven, that's a K per inning, walk three. And Yordano now sits 13-10 and 10 with a 3.19 ERA. Now, to me, the most impressive part of the outing tonight was that third inning. Let's go back to it. Top of the third, nothing-nothing. The Royals had a couple runners on base in the first. Couldn't come through. Did nothing in the second. And, you know, Chris Sale's pitching against you with that 199 ERA on his way to a Cy Young potentially this year. And you think to yourself, man, I mean, coming into the game, you thought to yourself, we need seven and no more than two out of Ventura, max. Realistically, seven and one is what you thought. Because you really, if we're being honest with ourselves, most of us probably figured Sale would go eight innings and give up one or two runs tonight. 
Luckily, that wasn't the case. But my point being, Giordano needed to pitch a good game tonight. And and to me, for a young pitcher, the way he got out of a major jam in that third inning was impressive. So to lead out the inning, Jordan Danks singles right up the middle. Tyler Flowers, a single on a play that could have been made had Escobar not rushed it. And then Marcus Simeon squares around a bunt and gets hit in the head. Luckily, he's okay. Hit the right part of the helmet. So you got bases loaded, nobody out. Uh-oh, you're thinking this is not good. Chris Sales on the hill. You're thinking they're going to get at least two. And if a hit gets mixed in, there'll be a nice big cricket number, a three, four, five, if they get another hit or two here. Well, bases loaded, Adam Eaton or Hannes Wagner, however you want to look at him, the way he's been playing lately. Love that player, by the way. Adam Eaton is a player. I wish we had him. God. He's like a gnat. That was a great description that we've been hearing through the press. But Adam Eaton comes up, bases juice, nobody out. You're just thinking to yourself, this sucks. This is not good. Well, Yardano gets him in a slicing fly out to left field to Alex Gordon, who comes up throwing and nearly threw out Danks at home. So, you know, one run in, runner moves up to third. And then Ventura just goes to work. First and third, already down to one nothing. You really have to keep that at one there in the third inning, don't you? Because if you give up two there, you have no margin for error essentially the rest of the game. That's what you thought at that point at least. But then two strikeouts in a row. Obviously the key out of the game was Alexi Ramirez with one out in that third, striking out, leaving the runner at third. And then Yordano was able to strike out Abreu, who somehow, knock on wood, just knocked there. You couldn't hear that. Knock on wood is not taking the Royals deep. They still have four more games against the White Sox. I suspect that may change the last weekend of the season. But if they could get through the season, only let him you know, go, go yard one time when they face him 19 times, that would be amazing. So the Royals have pitched him terrific this season. But Yordano, I, I couldn't say enough about him tonight. To me, another thing that was impressive was the changeup because you see it. A lot of teams are just sitting dead red with Yordano. And the days where he has no secondary pitches, it's really tough for him to get some of these really good professional hitters out. But tonight he broke out the changeup to me looked the best that it has in quite a while. The breaking pitch is always decent for him, but that changeup tonight was really good for Ventura. So just a, a huge game out of Giordano. and glad that he's okay. Now, Wade Davis comes in a little shaky. I mean, for him, it's awful. One inning, one run. I mean, for him, that's like time to panic, right? Nah. It was nice. I mean, after having it unfortunately happen last night between him and Herrera, hopefully we've gotten the kinks out for Wade, and you knew he was going to give up some runs. At the end of the season, there was no way he was going to hover around 0.5 or 6 the whole year. So uh, one run was allowed tonight by Davis, which is fine with me. Get it out of the system now. I'd rather have it happen right now than against Detroit or Cleveland or Chicago or the playoffs. Now, Greg Holland looked great tonight. One, two, three with the strikeout. Now, that was good to see. So all in all tonight for the Royals, I mean, just an improbable victory. If, if you watch this team day in and day out, you can say, like the, the tweet did earlier, that the Royals normally hit these guys better. I mean, that's not really true. I mean, we're kind of... I mean, the Royals never touch Corey Kluwer. They never touch John Lester. They never touch Iwakuma. You go on and on some of these guys that they just struggle with. But two of three was a must in this series. And after last night, you had your major doubts. And it's too bad the Royals couldn't sweep this or get that game on Sunday. Had they won either game, they would be sitting tied right now by my calculations. Since again, I give them the, the loss on the 10th inning game. They'd be tied right now had they won either of those two games with Detroit. But I'm sure Detroit says it's the same thing. Had we not, you know, blown the game last night at the end, you know, Nathan in the last inning, we'd be blah, 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 ahead of Kansas City. So it, it, it all evens out at the end of the day. I'll admit that. But the Royals now come in 
after a must-win series, they get the job done. Improbable, just a fun victory. My favorite game tonight since probably that Friday night in Yankee Stadium when James Shields won one nothing at dueling Michael Pineda. The, the win in Detroit was nice as well. But the, tonight was just fun because so many things were clicking. Your young stud, Ventura, Holland looked great. The offense, a couple home runs. Nori breaking the Royals' record for hits in a series. You get Salvi going, Kane going. Just some great things. So now let's take a look at Detroit. The Royals can tie Detroit going into that last week by winning two of three this weekend. So they have the 10th inning game finally on Monday. Thank God, because I'm sick of talking about the suspended game and having to basically take away a half game or whatever. Now, again, I'm not throwing in the white flag saying they can't win that game on Monday, but realistically, guys, probably nine out of ten times the Royals are going to lose that game. So I'm not thinking they're going to win that game on Monday. So I'm just counting it as a loss. That puts the Royals a game back. So they have six games next week. Is that right? One, two, three, four. Wait, no. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, sorry. Seven games next week. We have ten games to go. There we go. Math wasn't a strong point. So you've got three left against Detroit, three against the Indians. You should miss Corey Kluber, and you should miss Chris Sale the last four against the White Sox. You get two or three this weekend. You are tied with seven games to go. You win all three somehow? You're two ahead. If the Royals sweep this series, do you realize they are majorly in the driver's seat? And we got to take it game by game here. I mean, obviously, the chances of the Royals sweeping are not good with the pitching the Tigers are going to throw out, which we'll talk about here in about 30 seconds. But two-game lead if you sweep, tie if you win two of three, and if you lose two of three, you're two back with seven to go and in some big trouble because all Detroit has is Chicago and Minnesota. So let's just assume Detroit goes five and two that last week. That's the most probable scenario. If the Royals somehow sweep and have a two-game lead, they would only have to win, what, four games? Yeah, four games. The Royals would have to go four and three, and they'd win the AL Central if they swept. If you're tied with Detroit, I think you're going to have to go five and two or six and one minimum. So you really obviously want to win. You have to win this series. Have to win this series if you're going to dream about the AL Central. The Royals currently set, uh, you know, a game ahead of Seattle, who's currently playing, so I can't tell you what happened with that. But a win of two out of three this weekend, you're in pretty damn good shape. You should have a good two- or three-game lead, hopefully over Seattle. I would say two games at the end of the weekend if you win two out of three, which puts you in pretty damn good shape for the wild card. Because, again, Seattle's got some tough games coming up. Uh, Again, with the Angels, they will be throwing out. They're probably not their best guys towards the end there. But you have to assume Seattle's probably not going to go better than four and three or five and two either. So if you can get a two-game lead over Seattle at the end of the weekend, you're great, let alone Detroit. But let's talk about it. We're just, you know, we can't. Day by day, this changes so much. There's no point in me here giving you 25 different scenarios. So let's just break down the pitching matchups real quick here before we let you go. Now, Justin Verlander, Jason Vargas pitch on Friday. Verlander and Vargas. Interesting. I still have a bad taste in my mouth from a time earlier this year when those two faced each other back in May at Kauffman Stadium. And, and Verlander had, what, a perfect game going through five-plus innings, and Vargas got lit up like a Christmas tree. Verlander and Vargas, what will happen this time? Verlander's been pitching better his last couple outings, one against the Royals. His last outing was pretty good against the, the Twins as well. Not the Twins. It was, was the Twins? Who was his last outing against? Let me look that up here real quick as we talk to you here. Regardless, Justin Verlander has been playing a lot better. Let me get you his stuff here real quick. His last start was not against – it was against uh, Cleveland. There we go. His last start 
Went five and two-thirds, allowed three, struck out six. So not great, but better. Before that, seven innings against KC, allowed four. Okay, never mind. He's not pitching that well. <laughs> it seemed like he must be – he was giving up runs at the end because in both of those two games, he had like four or five shutout innings and then gave up some runs at the end. So I take that back. He's not pitching that well, but he's still pitching better than he did. You go back three starts, he gave up six runs. Two of the three before that gave up four. So giving up four and three his last two outings, respectively, has Verlander currently 13 and 12 with a 4-8-1, sitting in 190 innings pitch, which is what Jeremy Guthrie's at, by the way, as well. And Guthrie's actually outpitched Verlander this year. The ERA, well lower in the same amount of innings pitch. That's interesting. But anyway, so you got to like the Royals' chances on Friday, don't you? You really need to get that first game. Because then on Saturday, it's Max Scherzer against James Shields. That, I mean, I'm glad that's a national TV game. That should be a national TV game. That's a playoff game. All these are playoff games. But that's, that's a Game 7 matchup. Max Scherzer against James Shields on Saturday. Coin flip game. I like big game James on this one. Just a feeling. Rick Porcello, Jeremy Guthrie on Sunday. I mean, I guess slide edge there to Detroit, especially how Guthrie pitched last time out, although he didn't get any help from his defense. However you want to look at it. Do you look at it as you're facing somebody twice in the span of 10 days, usually one guy wins one time and one the other? If that's the case, the Royals are in pretty good shape this series. If you don't look at it and think that's independent, well, you've got to get the edge of the Tigers. What does that mean? That's why they play the games. Because on paper, I cannot freaking tell you what's going to happen in this series. All I can tell you is it's going to be a great baseball. The K should be sold out all three days. It should be for sure Friday and Saturday. I'm guessing they won't quite sell it out Sunday. But should have some outstanding crowds at Kauffman Stadium this weekend to watch the Royals and Tigers. I cannot wait to talk to you again on Friday. Now, before that, we will have Jeremy Guthrie on the show, by the way. Speaking of him, should be tomorrow night. Jay Guts will be joining us here on Clubhouse Conversation. I've been promising you that Steve Rinko interview for a while. That'll be coming up soon. I have made contact with Jose Rosado, who was a stud for the Royals back in the 90s. We'll talk to him soon here. Talking to all your favorite current former Royals and Clubhouse conversation, breaking down the games here on Davo's Dish. Thanks for listening to us. Tell a friend and make sure you hit us with a follow at Royals Clubhouse on the Twitter. Good night and go Royals Twitter.